All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. And what we do here at Grace and Mercy is we read this opening prayer together, and then I'll read uh, Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11. So if you guys will uh, read this with me, or pray this with me. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11. I said in my heart, come, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy myself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine my heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any other who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and providences. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man." So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eye desired, I did not keep from them. I kept from my heart no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. When I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold... All was vanity and a striving after a wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So last week when we were here, we saw that Solomon had sought and found wisdom. And in seeking and finding wisdom and knowledge, he found that it was a chasing after the wind. It was vanity. It was, uh, and, and not only that, with the more wisdom and knowledge he, he had, the more vexation came to him. And, and wisdom in that sense is vanity. It's something that it's just chasing after the wing. And then in this week, we see Solomon set out as a personal task to seek pleasure, to look for enjoyment wherever he could and not deny himself whenever he said that might be pleasurable. And so whatever his eyes desired, he partook in. He was able to keep wisdom while doing this. I don't understand that totally. Um, But like he was able to keep wisdom while he did, did this and he, Uh, partook and indulged himself in all the fancies the world has to offer. He was uh, his own lab rat in this experiment of seeking pleasure, and he summed it all up for us today. He said, it's only vanity, a chasing after the wind. Now, if we remember from last week, Solomon's a king. He, he, he's got all the money and the treasury and the people at his dispense, to, not only for seeking wisdom, but also for seeking pleasure. And now, because of Solomon's study and pleasure, we know up front that it's all vanity. 
and that we can use the wisdom that he collected here and is dispensing to us to avoid overindulgences in our own life. I don't believe that Solomon, some, some commentators suggested that Solomon is bragging. Like this list of things that he did is all bragging. But I don't think that Solomon is bragging when he lists off these pleasures that he's partaking in. He's simply letting us know, hey, I've been there. And if you can say, well, what about this? I've done that. What about this other thing? Yep, I've got that covered too. So he's letting us know. He's not trying to impress us with this list. So we don't have to be impressed by some maybe apt to do looking at that list and go, well, Solomon's done it all and I really want to do everything that he's done. That's not what this text is suggesting. But this text is one where it is helpful to understand that Solomon, he was very rich. He was very powerful. He was a ruler that would have had lots of friends and lots of people around. He would have had huge dinners and huge parties at his huge house and where he had 700 wives and 300 concubines or girlfriends. He, he, you know he could pull off the pleasure seeking like nobody's business. Better than we can at least, right? So he had wine, not only wine, but great wine, the best the country had to offer. He did great works, the best anybody had seen in that country. His houses were great. His vineyards were great. His gardens and parks were fantastic. His fruit trees and pools and forests, his male and female slaves, which, by the way, this is not saying it's okay to have slaves. Just want to mention that. It's not okay to have slaves. But it, 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 he had great flocks and herds like none had ever seen in Jerusalem before. And if you read the story of Jerusalem, they were a people of uh, farmers and shepherds. And he said it's greater. He had built a lot, produced a lot, amassed a lot. He drank a lot. He relaxed a lot. He partied a lot. He apparently likes parks a lot. He was entertained a lot, right? So he didn't have... He didn't have TVs or anything like that, but he had singers, which speaks to that. And he had a lot of wives and women that he took advantage of. And he says all this is striving after the wind. There's nothing to be gained by it. That's what he says. This is an experienced man, and he's wanting to tell us, pass on this wisdom along to it, to it like, yeah, I mean, you could try all that, but there's nothing to be gained by it, is what he's saying. And all that was thought that would bring him pleasure in, in this experiment was fleeting. All of it. It was never lasting. And the pleasure that he had, even in the, that he found in his works, that he had, it was momentary. And so all this pleasure that he had, it was a disillusion. It just made him happy for a brief moment. And then that moment was over. And then there was still something that just sat inside that said, you know what? This life is meaningless and this life is empty. Pleasure, if we think about it realistically, pleasure cannot be grasped in any true and lasting form through any of these attempts. Through any of these attempts. Here, Solomon used his body, his mind, his intellect, his work, his money, and it didn't satisfy. All stuff like we might not have all of those things. And this is good for us to know. And this is good for us to take heart of. And we get to take note on it. That the more money you have, it won't mean more satisfaction. The, the, the good food and drink that you have, it won't satisfy forever. It may be a momentary ta- burst to your taste buds, but it won't be good forever. 
being good at your job won't satisfy you in the long run. All the sex in the world will not satisfy. Uh, and then and there may be bits and pieces of enjoyment along the way, but that longing that we have in our heart will not be satiated through any of this long term. And I'll, I'll note, like I mentioned parts, but like one interesting note is most kings in history boast about what? Their military conquest and their lands gained. But here we see Solomon boast in his parks. Like, it's kind of odd. It's odd for this king. He's like, but I built cool parks. Like, he built parks and pools in, in forests and fruit gardens and vineyards. And he did all this. And in his wisdom, he avoided war for his country during his reign. He avoided the conquest that just enlarged his territory. And, and he exchanged this for uh, good food good food producing land, places to relax, places to enjoy, buildings uh, that were beautiful to, to be at and see. And I'd be willing to bet he would say that war is meaningless. The seeking of that pleasure is meaningless at, at, as well. But he was a king of peace. He was a king of peace. And this is what kings of peace, but ancient kings and their gardens would be an interesting book of a title, a title of a book that I would totally read because I like that idea of it, because this idea of um, kings and gardens came up in Psalm 1 when we started that five, six years ago, that trees planted by streams of water, as Psalm 1 says, but the ancient kings would have gardens, and they would plant trees from places that they conquered. And they would come, and it would be like a victory garden. Then you could walk through the garden with the king, and he'd be like, yeah, this tree came from so-and-so. I conquered that land, this tree, this bush, this flower came from this other land. And you would be able to do this, and he would have a chief gardener that would watch over the place and do a good job maintaining it as to make sure that it was um, maintained well. And so Solomon, when he's saying, look at these exotic plants and trees, his garden seemed to be more about peace and prosperity than conflict. These trees that he would have amassed would have been given to him as gifts instead of demanded that they're given as tributes. So it's interesting to see that this kingdom and this, this place that uh, these, these parks and gardens that he had in these forests and these fruit trees, it, it's, it's a really cool idea speaking about peace and, and that type of thing. And that it wasn't like one of those things where Solomon said, give me this tree in this conquered land. No, he, they, were, they were brought to him and given to him as gifts for his wisdom. So in one thing that we can learn from Solomon that Lady Wisdom was trying to teach him and is trying to teach us is that we are not self-made. No matter what anybody says, we can do much, accomplish much, great things, and have no satisfaction in it in lasting, in lasting terms. Uh, a commentator that a commentary that I like to read uh, on Ecclesiastes by Amy Plantinga Paw, I think that's how you say her name. She comments that this: we are not our own makers and keepers. And so this is what this text is saying: we are not our own makers and keepers. We can't produce all that we want or need in and of ourselves. We cannot do that. And Paw goes on to quote Augustine, and she says, as Augustine insists, pleasures in in possessions and accomplishments and in work itself comes when they are loved not as humanity's final end and source of value but as relative goods that are received their value as gifts from God 
So it's not just the things that bring us pleasure. It's the fact that God bestows on us good gifts. And that's the big point, I think, to this is that all Solomon sought in his pleasure contained an amount of pleasure, but it was all fleeting. And we are look, looking for something that lasts, lasting more than just in a moment. And when our value comes from our possessions, the things that we've made or amassed through the works of our hands or the accomplishments or um, anything that we might be able to boast in, I guess, we are going to be left with an empty feeling. And we see this throughout our culture and our society. We see some of the most uh, rich and famous people struggle with massive depression. You would think you have all the money and all the wealth and all the fame, all the things that everybody wants in droves, but it's not necessarily making you happy. You can see people with awards and accomplishments, but it's not satisfying to them. And we need to find our meaning and value in something more than just these things, more than in our, in our gold or our money or our riches or anything like that. The truth is the effort and striving have their own reward, if we're being honest, right? I don't believe that it's wrong and, or that this is teaching that it's wrong to derive a little pleasure that are contained in our life. Like, I, I don't think that that's wrong. We can enjoy them. But when we're honest, there is just this momentary pleasure and enjoyment as a, a job, a job well done. There's enjoyment in financial gain. When you get a little bit of extra coin, that's okay. In receiving of a new toy or trinket or like instrument or something like that, and you can enjoy those things. I, I think sometimes like, um, like Christianity talks about limits and it says you can't enjoy anything. No, you can enjoy these things, but not in and of themselves. We enjoy them as gifts from God. All these things hold their value or their reward in those things, but we can't sustain our joy or satisfaction in things over the long haul. It's not sustainable. There are moments of joy, but we want something deeper and more lasting. And we can say it this way, a self-made life is a myth and it's all garbage if we lose Christ in the seeking of that life. We get to, as Christians, we die to ourselves. Why? So that Christ might be made much of in our lives. That's our goal. When we partake in pleasures, we recognize them as gifts from God and we enjoy, but our enjoyment doesn't stem from these gifts. It stems from the giver of these gifts. They go deeper into our lives and the gratitude of love bestowed on us by Jesus. God's God loving us and giving us good and perfect gifts, they are supposed to point to him and his goodness rather than ourselves and our own goodness. If we are self-made, if we are self-indulgent, if we are, in a sense, selfish, then we get our reward and it's fleeting. But if we die to self, if we gain Christ, and that is, ever, that is everlasting enjoyment of the one who gives us life and sustains our life, and I love that Solomon says that we can, all that we can amass and build is vanity. This reminds us that our treasures are not stored up in this way here on earth. They're not. All of it will fade away. We lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. That's what scripture teaches us. Matthew 6, 19 through 24 says this, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and rust rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys 
where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If money's not your thing, substitute your thing for that, that spot. You cannot serve God and just worldly pleasures at the same time. We do this, we, we, we stay away from these things by walking with Jesus step by step. It's, it's, a, it's an everyday thing. Some, as they walk with Jesus, will gain riches and some will not. But God calls uh, those with riches and those without to use their resources for his glory and his goodness. Some will invent and build some great things for the glory of God, and some will not. But in our building of things and, and, and doing of service projects or anything that we may do, it's not about us. It's about reflecting God's glory to this world and taking pleasure just in the fact that we get to do something for God that he's called us to do. I think that it's, it's like this. Some will be good at some things. Maybe something that you want to be good at that you're just not good at. And others will not. It's the same for intellect, wisdom, wealth, treasures, all of it. But all of them, in and of themselves, are gifts that will fade away. But if we can, we can just believe that Jesus is the giver of these gifts. We can enjoy them for what they are, but enjoy him so much more than these gifts. And as we follow Jesus... We learn that regardless of what we amass, that we are loved. Regardless of what we have, uh, we are loved by Jesus wholeheartedly. Not based on what we do. Not based on what we have. But based on the fact that God simply takes pleasures in us and he wants to give us his love. And this is a beautiful thing. This is what grace is. And by the way, grace isn't meaningless. It means so much. And there is great peace and contentment in God's love for us. And that is best displayed in the life, all of, all of the life, not just life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. We live not to gain pleasure like Solomon did. You know what we get to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and God will add enjoyment and pleasure along the way as we walk this life. Not at every turn. That's not promised. Not in every moment. But there are those moments in life that we get to recognize as gifts from God and take the pleasures for what they are rather than serve them as gods. We get to seek Jesus and his ways. In this, we, get to, in this, we will find our meaning. Each of us have our own path and plan that Jesus has for us. This is a beautiful thing. I don't know like what it is for you that God's called you to do. I think about like the difference between Tyrone and I. We have a lot of similarities, but there's different callings that God has in our lives. And we get to walk those out each and every day. We get to walk those out. We are not gifted in the same ways or built the same ways. And, but God loves us as individuals, but wants, to te- uh, wants us to treat us uh, in his goodness and his grace. 
And even though we're individuals and we all have our kind of our, 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 I'm not saying there's multiple paths to Jesus. I'm just saying there's multiple ways that we get to walk with Jesus in life. And yet he gives us community and friendship and we walk our path with Jesus. But I, I, again, I think that if we're reminded the preacher opened Ecclesiastes, not just to a person, but to a congregation, to a group of people. He was addressing a group of people. And this reminds us that he gives us community and friendships and this walk that we have with God as we seek his kingdom is not just a me and Jesus walk. It's an us and Jesus walk. We get to do this together. We and the others who seek the kingdom of God in our lives as well. The Holy Spirit uses others to encourage us and remind us uh, to stay on the path that God has for us. And I pray that as we prayed in our opening prayer, that we might let our lives be found in Christ. That we might let our lives be led by the Holy Spirit as we walk this life out in the arena of God's great mysteries because we don't know what tomorrow holds for us. We don't know what it is. And as we seek first the kingdom of God's righteousness, that all else that is meaningless and a chasing after a wind will fade away and we can just simply follow God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And in that, we can find our meaning. In Philippians 4, 11-13, the Apostle Paul tells a little secret of a, of a life in Christ. And it's not chasing. It's not chasing after everything that we want. It's not, a, it's not in seeking pleasure in all that we, that we can find. He says this, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So in all of life, we can be content with God's love and grace. He gives us pleasure, but we don't seek the pleasure in and of itself. We we just seek God and he will add pleasure to us. God rescues us from our sins. Amen? Like this is a beautiful thing. His death, burial, and resurrection do so much for us. But he also saves us from the need to chase every delight of our eyes. We don't need to chase after the wind because we've already found God. We've already given up our lives to follow God and we found that he loves us and we just want to love him in return. Not that we can ever pay him back, but we just want to do what he wants us to do and so that we can bring him pleasure. So let us seek that love from God more and more. And let us live out that place of being loved, lived out of that place of being loved so we don't have to chase every fancy of our eyes and we can learn from the wisdom that Solomon is dispensing to us. So Jesus, I pray that we may seek your kingdom with a whole heart as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Lord, I pray that our lives may be found in Christ, led by your Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of your great mysteries. So Jesus, be with us as we try to do this. Amen. You guys, we're going to...